Hello everyone and welcome to Box Office Receipts. I'm your host, Alan Callahan, and I've got an interesting episode for you. we got a lot of moves happening in Hollywood, and that is on top of the summer box office. Where, if you were an executive at Disney this weekend, you probably didn't have a good time thanks to Lightyear's disappointing opening. Let's start with the weekend top five and go over that. Staying in first place domestically is Jurassic World Dominion with 58.6 million for a total of 249.7 million. Opening in second place is Lightyear with 51 million. In third place is Top Gun Maverick with 44 million for a total of 466.1 million. Fourth place was Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness with 4.2 million for a total of 405 million. Lastly, in fifth place was Bob's Burger Movie with 1.1 million for a total now of 29.8 million. Let's start with Lightyear and the opening it had, which was not good. It was expected to open around 70 million, and it came in around 20 million less. Now, if this was an original IP from Pixar, this would not be too much of an issue. But it is a spin-off of what is their star franchise, Toy Story. Now, while it had no direct links to it, it is featuring the second biggest character in a new story. So why didn't people show up? Well, there could be a few reasons. First, this is the first Pixar film to open in theaters and onwards back in early 2020. You could make the case that families have become conditioned that Pixar movies now come out on Disney+. Plus, and since this was in theaters, if they can wait a few weeks, it will show up on Disney+, Plus as well. And hey, look, if they can save a couple bucks by waiting a few weeks, why not? There's also the fact the marketing has been a bit of a mess with it not clearly explaining the film. The reason it's being made, and why Tim Allen is not voicing the character this time. If people are confused, then why would they be interested? Also, reviews for it have not been great. On Rotten Tomatoes, it now has an average out of a 75, which is okay, uh, but it was rotten when the first few reviews came out. So, the word from critics is, it's okay to good, but it's nowhere near Pixar's best. Also, competition is still strong from other films, with Top Gun still pulling in great numbers almost a month in. There's also the possibility that the news of a gay couple having a kiss on screen might have turned some parents away from it. How much of that actually affected the box office numbers is not clear, but I wouldn't think too much. Right now, I'd expect Disney to put this on Disney Plus at the 45-day mark, and possibly at 30 days, like in Kanto, if they can push it. As for other films, Jurassic World had a decent drop of 60% and will definitely cross 300 million domestic. For it to pass 400 million, it's gonna depend on how it can hold up against Thor in July. Speaking of 400 million, Doctor Strange did pass the 400 million mark and makes it the 8th biggest MCU film domestically. Taking a look at China, Jurassic World Dominion did not have a good holdover from its opening weekend. It still ended up in first place, but made 23.3 million which is a 55% drop from its opening weekend, and is now at a total of 92.4 million. I guess when all things considered, it's not too bad, and will still pass 100 million for a Hollywood film in China, which is becoming a rarity. Opening in second place was a new Chinese film called One Week Friends with 5.8 million. And third place was The Bad Guys with 2.1 million for a total of 46.4 million. The legs on this film in China has been crazy. Even this weekend was an improvement of 4% compared to last weekend. Very rare for that to happen. Fourth place was My Blue Summer with 1.4 million for a total of 18.4 million. 
And lastly, in fifth place is Doraemon the movie with 410,000 for a total of 11.9 million. Looking at the worldwide box office, Lightyear also had a disappointing opening. In 43 markets, it made 34.6 million internationally for a worldwide opening weekend of 85.6 million. Depending on how the Minion sequel does in two weeks, Lightyear might have trouble even finishing with 300 million worldwide. This is clearly not a return to theaters that Pixar and Disney wanted. Jurassic World Dominion made another 76.1 million for a worldwide total of 622.2 million. Top Gun Maverick made 39.7 million for a total of 885.2 million. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness made 2.5 million for a worldwide total of 942.5 million. Also, Sonic the Hedgehog passed 400 million worldwide, making it the second video game adaptation to pass this year, the other obviously being Uncharted. Staying with box office news, Universal announced that Steven Spielberg's next film, The Fablemans, will have a limited release November 11th in New York and LA before expanding to a wide release on November 23rd. Deadline has the exclusive on this and that as Titanic is headed back to theaters, the purpose is to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the film and will be available in multiple formats including 4K, high frame rate, and 3D. Right now only Disney has announced that it will be released internationally starting February 10th. This is because they only own the international rights to the film via buying Fox and Paramount still has the domestic rights, though Deadline is reporting that Paramount will announce a release date for it soon as well. I think with this being released around Valentine's Day, it can make a good amount of money, though I'm not sure who would want to see a high frame rate version of the film. I uh, got a casting update for Dune Part 2 thanks to Deadline. They are reporting that Lisa Doe has joined the film and will play Lady Margaret. So far, casting for the sequel has been great, and I can't wait to watch it. Hopefully it doesn't get delayed. In another exclusive casting announcement from Deadline, Henry Cerny is set to join Scream 6. He will be in Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 next year. It is also not clear if he will be a bad guy or not, but to be fair, for screen films, we ain't gonna know until we actually see the film. That's part of what makes it fun. Another week, another A24 film was announced. Deadline has the exclusive on this with the film called A Different Man. It is a psychological thriller directed and written by Aaron Skimberg and will star Sebastian Stan and Renette Rinverse with production beginning next month. I'll watch this simply for the fact that Stan is getting into darker films between this and Fresh. I like it. Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige revealed that they will be at San Diego Comic-Con next month. This will be the first time in three years the studio showed up, due in part to the pandemic. The last time they were there was in 2019. They did announce the entire Phase 4 lineup of films. At this point now in 2022, a good amount of them has been released, so while it will probably not be crazy of a panel as it was then, I expect some updates on films like Black Panther, Ant-Man, Blade, and maybe one or two new films being announced. Lastly, the Supreme Court this week, in a court ruling, decided to overturn Roe v. Wade, kicking back abortion as a state's rights issue. Some states immediately passed laws either restricting or outright banning abortion. With this now being official, a lot of companies have come out saying that they will cover transport costs if needed if the employees need to go to a different state to get an abortion. This includes studios as well. So far, Warner Brothers Discovery and Paramount announced that they too will pay for travel expenses for abortions. Notably, Disney, Comcast, and Netflix have not said anything specific about covering travel costs. This is a hotly debated topic, but I do hope that Congress steps in at some point and at least makes the bare minimum 
of abortion federal law, like if the mother's life is in danger, rape, incest. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Got a lot of news in VOD Premium, so let's start with the bad news. Uh, an exclusive from Variety, where they are reporting that Netflix is doing another round of layoffs, cutting 300 more employees. This is on top of 150 let go a few weeks ago, and this round was mostly jobs in the United States. First off, I feel terrible for everyone who lost their job, and I hope they are able to rebound quickly. Secondly, I question why Netflix grew to a company that has 11,000 employees. Unless a lot of them are actually in film production, then that does seem like an excessive amount of people to have, because if you take out film production, your core employees are engineers and designers to keep the UI fresh, add new features, then social media, fiscal, HR, and executives. And that gets you to 11,000. But to be fair, I have not researched how many departments they have or what the bulk of these jobs are. I'm just thinking out loud. Next up is the Bob's Burger movie, and that is because it has gotten a streaming release date. The film will premiere on both Hulu and HBO Max on July 12th in the US. Internationally, it will be on Disney Plus or Star Plus. As for why this is going to both streaming services, that is because it is a 20th century studio film and falls under the agreement Warner Media and Disney made where they would share some of the films this year. By the time it comes to streaming, it would have gone around six weeks of exclusivity, which is not too bad. And while it didn't completely bomb at the box office, it didn't do great either. HBO Max has had a good weekend thanks to their remake of Father of the Bride. The film premiered on HBO Max and now Deadline is reporting that it is the biggest premiere for a HBO Max film. It should be noted that it's only for films released on HBO Max only if we count theatrical films that then premiere on HBO Max then the Batman is still the biggest one. The remake stars Andy Garcia and Gloria Estefan directed by Gary Alizak. It also has a solid 80% around tomatoes and is certified fresh. Not bad for a release on HBO Max. For Netflix, they released The Man from Toronto with very little marketing from what I could tell. I only saw it was released because Deadline pu published a review for it. Anyway, we have talked about this before. It was a Sony produced film meant for theaters that kept getting pushed back due to COVID. Earlier this year, they decided to just sell it to Netflix and move on. And it looks like depending on how much they got, it was the right move. Reviews have not been good for it. Right now we're looking at 26% from critics on Rotten Tomatoes, and the audience score is pretty bad as well, with it at 43%. I expect it to be a bit better, since Sony held on to it for so long, and the cast behind it was decent. Stars Kevin Hart, Woody Harrelson, and is directed by Patrick Hughes, who directed the Hitman Bodyguard movies. So I didn't expect anything amazing, but it should have been better than 26% on Rotten Tomatoes. Overall, it was another studio to Netflix dump. Staying with Netflix, Deadline has the exclusive on this, and that is the Spy Kids remake that they are working with uh, with Skydance in Spyglass. The parents for the remake have been cast and will star Gina Rodriguez and Zachary Levi. Robert Rodriguez, who made the original ones, is coming back for this and will write and direct it. As a kid, I like the original Spy Kids films, uh, and as for the parents, they have solid cast for the remake. The one thing I worry about this, though, is I hope it doesn't look cheap like Rodriguez's last project the book of Boba Fett. Let's head over to Paramount Plus where they are continuing their international expansion this week. They launched in South Korea as part of an already existing streaming service. TV Ing which is owned by CJ ENM. If you live in Korea you'll get Paramount Plus at no extra cost if you already subscribe to the service. This is not an add-on with an additional cost. 
The deal Paramount made with CJENM did not just include how to distribute Paramount+, Plus, but also to come together, fund, and produce new Korean content. The first of that will be released later this year, called Yonder. In Korea, it will obviously be on TV, TV and everywhere else it will be on Paramount+. Plus. For the release in Korea, I think Paramount is playing it smart by partnering up with an established service. I dare... I doubt there are many people there that are clamoring to sign up for another service just for Hollywood shows and films. It's also good to start co-producing Korean content as, well one, they get more content for Paramount Plus, while also helping the Korean industry grow. This is something they saw Netflix doing and succeeding, case in point, Squid Games, so maybe they will have something similar to that down the road. Paramount Plus also launched in the UK this week as well. There's only one tier available for $6.99 per month. With no ads, if you live in the UK, you can sign up for it by itself, subscribe to it via a channel and Prime Video on Amazon, or if you have Sky Cinema, it's been added at no extra cost. One thing to note right now is some devices do not have Paramount Plus available to download yet in the UK, including PlayStations and Xboxes. Right now, the app is available on Fire TV, Apple TV, Roku's, Samsung TVs, and Android TV. Now let's go to the NFL, where the coveted Sunday ticket is up for auction. It's currently with DirecTV, but that will end after the season. And now NFL has put it up for auction with three companies putting in a bid for it. Apple, Disney, and Amazon. Now, as with a lot of things with the NFL, this is messy. So, CNBC is reporting that the NFL is expecting at least $2 billion for the rights, which will also include a stake in NFL media. Not sure why that's thrown in. Maybe to increase its value. Also, if you're thinking that a streaming service getting Sunday ticket means a cheaper price, you're wrong. As part of the terms of whoever gets Sunday ticket has to charge $300 for it per season. This is due to NFL's current contracts between Fox and CBS. Also, the Sunday ticket will still stay the same in regards to games, as in there will be out-of-market games only and there will be blackout restrictions. Personally, my money is on either Apple or Amazon winning the bid and getting the rights. Amazon already has some Thursday night football games. Actually, I believe starting the season, they have all the Thursday night football games. So this would just be a very expensive but coveted add-on package to Prime Video. So for the final story of VOD Premium, let's talk about the an actual sports deal that was completed, and that was for MLS, Major League Soccer. They have signed a 10-year deal with Apple for all of their matches to be streamed on Apple TV. All matches will be available for customers around the world with no blackout restrictions. Now, this does not mean all matches are added for free on the Apple TV Plus subscription service. No, there will be a separate subscription just for MLS available via the TV app. You do not need TV Plus to subscribe to it, but if you just subscribe to TV Plus, some matches will be available to watch there as well. Also, if you are a season ticket holder for any of the MLS teams, you will get the new MLS subscription and no extra cost. All the other details, like how much it would actually cost, will be announced at a later date. So this was a big move by both MLS and Apple. For MLS, this is probably the smartest move they can make. They have been making an aggressive push to expand over the last few years by adding quite a few new teams across the country. But this alone has not helped them gather a bigger fan base, so this move makes a lot of sense. One, since they are not super popular yet, and have, or have expensive contracts with TV channels, they can forego the blackout issue in local areas. Also, if you are just getting into MLS and you want to follow, watch some games, pick a team, it's hard to find where to watch them. It gets confusing. Now, it'll be as simple as going to the TV app 
and then looking at what you want to watch and even watch matches that have already been played. If they can market this right, then this can absolutely help the league grow over the next few years. For Apple, this is a good move because this continues to build upon their app and subscription service in regards to sports selection. Now, even if you just have TV+, you are getting weekly baseball games, and next year, select soccer matches. You can see why they're still in the running, pushing to get the Sunday ticket for football. Even though it'll be expensive for customers, they can advertise that three different leagues are available to watch via the TV app. That can be enticing to people. And that'll be it for this week's episode of Box Office Receipts. Thank you for listening, and see you next time.